Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Welcome to another episode of Off the Bench with Cannell and Bell. What was it? She sells seashells, seashells by on the, the seashore. seashore. Yeah, we're getting it tight today. Um, David Sampson's in for Danny Cannell. We're going to talk some... Some uh, Thursday night football. We got some college football, Major League Baseball action, which I got to admit, I'm in. I mean, I can't go any breakdown, so that's why you're here, but I'm in. It's pretty exciting. You watched a couple innings. I did watch some innings. Um, Talk about that. True. It was hard to look away, as is hard to look away from the jacket this morning. You don't like this? This is Q. Q you now. We talked about this. Like, I'm going to take I a jab. I wore this, right, yeah. in order to match the shine on your head. I knew it, there it was. Raja, so much going on yesterday, but I think we got to start with the Pats Colts and the win they had last night. Super, super win. The Colts are doing what we expected the Colts to do, and it wasn't that long ago. I mean, not the Colts, but the Pats. That we were hanging the pats out to dry, that they were done. I called them old on this very show. And then they bounced back last night. Tom Brady throws for his 500 career touchdown, uh, and they beat the Colts 38-24. I was watching, I came thinking to myself, I'm flipping back and forth between baseball and football. I want to watch history because I want to see Brady get his 500th. Yeah. Just because it's pretty impressive. He's behind Peyton Manning, who's at 539, and then far of it, 508. And I'm watching him throw to Josh Gordon. Yeah. Thinking, wow. They just find a way. Remember when they signed Randy Moss and now they have Josh Gordon? They take guys who are just are troubled guys. Mm-hmm. They bring them into the system, and all of a sudden they win rings. Talk about the culture and its fragility, right? Because some organizations, you can drop that guy in, and you've got enough structure around it that he he actually you know becomes a better person in that. There are other organizations where if you bring a guy in like that, Everything falls apart. No doubt. We would go to our players and ask, actually. Yeah. And we were told by some old-school GMs, hey, don't ever talk to the players. Right. If, if you want to bring a guy into the clubhouse, you bring him to the clubhouse. So silly, though. But I disagree because I want buy-in. So, for example, what the Astros did when they traded for the domestic abuse-accused guy, closer Ozuna. Right. The Astros were stunned. Verlander, who's starting game one today, incidentally, as they defend their World Series championship, he was very vocal against domestic abuse, against steroid people. Like, he's a vocal guy. Right. Of course, when you're with Kate Upton, you know, it gives you sort of <laughs> platform right. to, to be very glocal in what you're doing. So they didn't discuss anything with the Astros clubhouse. But I would go into the Marlins clubhouse and talk about things all the time, including when we were going to trade for Mike Fears, who hit Stanton in the eye. I went and talked to Stanton about it. Right. Why wouldn't you do that? I, I, I never understood that. I was one of those guys that felt like, you know, it gets, you, you sometimes front offices catch heat because it's like you're asking for permission. That's not what you're doing. I'm not asking. You're not asking. You're just, you're discussing. Feeler. Right, correct. It's a feeler. Um, so let's get back to the Pats though, because I thought, you know, look, defensively, everybody was worried about what they were doing this year, right? But the numbers don't really speak to that, right? So 2017, uh, they were 30th in yards per game. This year, they're actually 16th defensively in yards per game. Points per game in 2017, they were 6th. This year, they're 12th. So that wasn't really the issue. Like, the issue was offensively, where last year in yards per game, they were squarely number one in the league, and this year, they're 22nd in yards per game offensively. So I guess if I'm buying the Pats, and you're telling me that it's going to hinge, their success hinges on whether they get the offense figured out. And they've got Tom Brady. Uh, they were without Julian Edelman, the security blanket, who came back last night. Sony Michelle is just kind of rounding into form. They're trying to figure out how to use him. You get Josh Gordon, um, and, and, and. More weapons. Yeah, I, I think that I would roll the dice. Like, I would bet on them figuring out offensively. I think the way we have to look at the Patriots dynasty 
is that they are the best until they're proven over a full season to not be. Right. So not after four games. Like with the Vikings or with the Eagles, I think we could have a conversation that they're not really that they were good last year and that the that was it. That maybe a flash in the done. pan. Right. Maybe that. I thought you said maybe a flasher in the pen. <laughs> wow. I was they have some of those. Least, yeah. I actually Ooh. saw a flasher in a bullpen one game. A guy like a flasher went into yeah, the, in the bull. Oh. Wouldn't you want a flash in the stadium, like on the field? Yeah, why the bullpen? So here's what I think. Defeats the whole purpose. Like, I you think wanna... that there was a thing going on with a bullpen pitcher. Really? I think that there was conspiracy. some it was a conspiracy. So is it possible that the Patriots are on the way down? I really do think so. You can't stay where they are for this long. Right. It just doesn't work. Like even LeBron is on the way down. It just happens with age. But the Pats have to lose, and then they have to lose a second year in a row. True. That to me is when they're done. All right. Well, they. I mean, look. So, cream of the AFC uh, for a long time. Let's get to another couple teams that are fighting for AFC supremacy now. And there's a big game this weekend. You got the Jacksonville Jaguars, Kansas City Chiefs. Love this offense, defense, offense, defense. Right? What do you the, like an offense, defense? I typically take offense. The numbers kind of bear that out. So since 2008, the number one scoring offense are three and one against the number one scoring defense. Um, and the defenses that are allowed. Four whole games. Four whole games. That's a big um, 75%. Um, they're averaging 30, they're averaging 30 points a game in that span, like 30 and a half. Um, you know, here's what's, Fortnite's out this game. And this is another interesting stat because I don't, you know, I'm not a breakdown guy like Danny. I can't d- dive in. So I'm looking at all these numbers trying to figure something out. This is Blake Bortles without Leonard Fournette versus with Leonard Fournette. This is why I think the Jags have a really good chance of beating them because with Leonard Fournette, they're nine and six. Blake Bortles, 59% completion, uh, 224 yards a game, 19 touchdowns to 15 interceptions without Leonard Fournette. He's four and one, 65% completion percentage. About 290 yards a game, nine to one touchdown ratio to interception ratio. I think Blake Bortles will supplement that defense with some offense this weekend, and I think the the Jaguars win the game. Well, for me, I take defense. That's it. Right? Yeah, I've been a defense. Guy I hear you. Always, I think defense wins, and when I look at this matchup. I just feel as though they have an advantage. And in football, I remember I grew up in the Giants, the 86 Giants with LT and Howard sure. Carson and Brad Van Pelt. <clears throat> For me, I'm going that way. And I'm still not as great as the Jaguars have been and the Chiefs. I still, Mahomes, I'm not willing to buy in yet. Stop. I'm not doing it. Okay. I'm not buying in the fact that he's broken every record over the first. You're just gonna wait for that stock to get to like you. You just you don't want to get on the ground floor. I I I want to wait for it to peak. You want to peak? I'm gonna short it. (laughs) I am shorting Mahomes. Look, I do like the Jaguars' defense, and one guy in particular I always talk about that I really love the personality is Jalen Ramsey. Um, and he was talking yesterday. Uh, some some smack, smack talk. Um, He's good for what he does for their team. Uh, you know he may. All pro as a return specialist. Let's get that right. As a return specialist, uh, his rookie year, he went to two Pro Bowls as a return specialist. Uh, return specialist. Just want to make sure everybody knows. Um, Was he a return specialist? Two years. Specialist, I, I, I made All Pro in my position as a corner. Uh, went to the Pro Bowl as a corner. Um, so it's not a wide receiver versus corner matchup. Um, oh. So we can get that out of the way Dead off that. off bat. Dead Why is he so that. angry? I don't know, but you know why I, I get down with Jalen Ramsey talking? Because he backs it up. Like, he goes out there and he talks about Gronk, and then he then he shuts Gronk down. Do you know, I, w- I wish that I knew who the return specialist was for the Jaguars. The, for the Jags? Yeah, because yeah, I, how do you think he feels right now? 
<laughs> in his right. own locker room, the guy sitting right. in the locker right next to him. Let me get this straight. You're a return specialist? No, but I think the difference is they're trying to build Tyreek Hill as this monster-wide receiver. Um, and while you could be a great return specialist, I think Jalen Ramsey's beef is like he's better at being a return specialist than a receiver, and I'm one of the best corners on the planet. So don't make it a like him versus me situation. Did you like when your teammates would do something like that and provide bulletin board material in quotes? Because his management, I'll tell you something – Hate it. Yeah, you guys are typically the stick up the, 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 if like, it's y'all. Funny and clever, I'm in. That's, that, you didn't like that? I didn't, you didn't like I, that? Neither funny nor clever. All right. Well, I, look, it, here's the deal. If you're going to go out there and you're going to provide bulletin board material, you got to be the first man standing up to, to go to war. And I think Jalen has that kind of, uh, that kind of mentality. Like, he, what's the over under? Do you think that he will get beaten for a touchdown? No. No chance? Uh, I mean, there's always a chance, but no, I think he's, he's really, really good. Can we do a Mortimer bet? Yeah. Dollar? Dollar? Yeah, dollar. Boom. Good. Back. All right. So let's keep it moving. Let's move over to the NFC. And you talked about these two teams off the top. These were two of the big two two um surprises last year, I think, you know, by most people's accounts, unless you're a fan of the team. But you got the Vikings sitting at one and two. They signed Kirk Cousins to the big deal. He's been fantastic. Uh he's thrown for one thousand three hundred and eighty seven yards, third highest total in the NFL right now. But again, they're one and two. Uh defense giving up a ton of points, a ton of yards. And then the Eagles at two and two, neither one of these teams is really through the first quarter of the season or through the first month, achieved what they set out to achieve. Um, wh- what do you think this one plays out? And should we be worried about either one of these teams? I'm going Eagles for for two reasons. And the first one, you're going to discredit. Okay. Kirk Cousins filmed a mattress commercial that I saw on TV. He took the time to take that. It's like a sleep number thing. That's it. Calm that, down. That bothers that that crush. That has something to do with yes. him being on the field. He's now not ready. Okay, he's not ready. So it alludes to him not having focus, not being. I want in. him. He took his contract. He wanted more, more, more. Yeah. <clears throat> so he told his agent, "I'll do any commercial." A sleep mattress number, <laughs> showing how well he sleeps before yeah. a game, and how important it is that he can sleep at an eighty while his wife sleeps at a thirty. Well, Here's my view of that. Yes, please. No. 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 Play the game. What has he done? Anything? Any rings? Management has nothing to do with this man. Makes me angry. I want him. He's not going to become the face of football yeah. by doing a mattress commercial. He's going to do that by throwing touchdowns, winning games. I'd like you to win games. Dan- win games, then do the Super Bowl shuffle. This is Danny Cannell's guy. Um I will admit that Kirk has been better than I thought he'd be. But in sport in general, we're going to judge you. Quarterbacks. um, you know, specifically pitchers off of like championships and, and you know what I mean? And wins, wins and wins. And it's just not being, it's just not playing out that way. Now here's the, here's the deal. Like it's not all Kirk Cousins. And I talked about this. The Vikings defense last year, they ranked number one in yards and points allowed. And so far through 2018, they're 21st uh, in yards allowed and 22nd in points allowed. And so sure they lost Everson Griffin with the mental health issue. But that shouldn't be the only reason why your defense falls apart. And I think sometimes in sports, it happens where you capture this magic in in a year. The stars align, everything is good. You know, for one reason or another, chemistry is is just fantastic. And you think that that's just you take for granted that it's going to carry over and roll it over into the next year. It doesn't always work like that. I agree, but don't you think those stats are sort of off? Didn't the Vikings have a bad loss to a team last week or two weeks ago? 
Uh, they, really bad one. It was a really, really bad really, one. Really, really bad. Yeah, one Buffalo Bills. Right. Yeah, yeah. That was a- Wouldn't you think that maybe the stats get skewed after only four games, three, four games of a season when you had one blowout loss? Well, to the point, I think the sample size, like, through too small. That's why you don't really worry and you can't write a team off who's one and, one and two or, or two and two at this point. Even at one and three. Like, so this game, everyone's saying, and, and this is what you're reading and you're hearing from pundits, this is a must-win game for both teams. I love that because one of them is going to lose. Correct. <laughs> so when you say it's a must win for both, what you're doing is you're setting up that you have a storyline for Monday, which is one season continues and one season's over. To that point, Carson Wentz, all right? The sky isn't falling, he says. We're 2-2 two and two right now. Love to be 4-0, but this is just where we're at. We're a month in, still trying to figure out 100% who we are. I think that bothered you a bit. But at the same time, we know the guys we have, but there's no panic in here. Um I do agree with that, and you, you kind of talked about it before. Every year is its own entity. Like, you can't, while there may be some momentum that you roll over and just general good vibes, when you come back to work uh, in the next preseason, you have to start from scratch. It's hard. And, right, and so you may not be the same version of yourself, and you might have to figure out what it is that your team can hang their hat on this year. It might not be the exact same thing that it was last year, and I think... Kind of that's where Philly's at, where they just got to figure some things out. There may be a little hangover. It's tough when you play late into a season. But generally speaking, I think it's more about figuring out who they are this season. Yeah, and I think the hangover is one word for it. I, I think the other word is drive. And we talk about that a lot, that there's no – it's very difficult to repeat in any sport, any of the four sports. Right. When you go in – I was thinking about the Cubs before 2016. They hadn't won in 175 years, Billy Goats and all. They win – it feels different when you come to spring training the next year. That that drive that you have every day to get out of bed, to get to work, to focus, to read your playbook, all the things you do during the season that the Eagles had, everything went right. And in the playoffs, Falls obviously was who, – who was that? I mean, that was Superman Yeah, you know, in, the co- in a costume that looked like a guy named Nick Falls. But every other Eagle comes back the next year, and it's just a little different. It That's is. why I've had such great respect for any team – who can repeat, like the Jordan, you know, the two three-peats, he willed them to victory because every year he wanted to win that year more than he ever wanted to win in his life. Yeah, incredible drive. Very few players have that drive. And I'm not sure that Carson Wentz and the Eagles count. Yep. All right, well, we're going to touch on some baseball when we come back. I want to hear what you have to say about all this fantastic. Night. Yeah, I'm big exhausted. Night. I some of that. You stayed up for all those games? Every. I haven't missed a pitch. All right, we got some college football. Uh, We'll have all that coming up next on Off the Bench with Cannell and Bell. And sometimes same thing. (laughs) So I'm I'm, I'm watching these games, Mm -hmm. and I'm just thinking to myself – Let's let's first talk Dodgers because that was the game that I know you stayed up late to watch. Yeah, of course you know. It's the game that's causing the bags under my eyes right now. <laughs> it ended not bad. It was like a three and a half hour game. Right. No extra innings, but it was a big deal in LA because they didn't start Kershaw. First and what? Time and didn't what, start a game one. What was the logic behind that? He just wasn't ready. Ruse better. Oh, okay. Today, yeah, Ruse is better. Okay. Let's think about that. What well, Kershaw's is, a dope number two then, right? If, if Ruse well, better, then you're... Kershaw's going two and five. He'll pitch games two and game five. Right. He has an opt-out clause, and he could opt-out, become a free agent. So he's very upset that right now the narrative about him is that he he's have... not what he was. Got it. Because he's trying to say he's an ace. Number two issue. In the postseason, Kershaw's been terrible. Game one last year of their series, he gave up four home runs in one game. He's just had a problem. Tonight's game is critical. If the baby Braves do not get to Kershaw tonight, 
I think we're in danger of a sweep. And I picked the Braves to win the damn series. So here's an interesting stat. The Braves have lost seven straight game ones in the NLDS, along with the loss in the wild card game since 2002. Do you think, and I know all these guys are young, they had nothing to do with any, nothing. any of those failures. Born, I don't think. But I've been on teams where you've had organizational like um, things hang over your head, right? Like so the Phoenix Suns hadn't won. Uh, in San Antonio or the Jazz hadn't won in San Antonio in, in 10 years. Like, nah, I wasn't there all 10 years, but I've got that hanging over my head. It's a narrative in the building. You think there's any chance that, that that's taking place right now in Atlanta? No, because I, I'm thinking about you when you're shooting the ball, when you haven't won in San Antonio in 10 years. You're taking a shot in your first year with Phoenix. That's not in your head. No, but leading up to the game. So, no, it's not in my head at the moment. But if I'd been fed that and I'm hearing that all leading up to it, it could affect my prep. You know, maybe it seeps in subconscious. I'm not consciously thinking right. about it when I'm shooting. I just wonder, with the young team, you know, you're not seasoned pros yet. I, I just they made some mistakes. I mean, Acuna got caught stealing. I mean, it was a poor time to steal, and he got caught. <clears throat> it literally wasn't even close. It didn't need to be a good throw to get him. But I dismiss that as just nerves. So when you're young in the playoffs in MLB, two things can happen. Either you're so out of it, you don't know where you are, that you just play great. Right. Or you get overwhelmed by the situation. And I thought that they, my analysis was that Freeman and Marcakis would get them through this and they would be okay. But yesterday they were not. I, if they beat Kershaw, we have a series. If they don't, obviously we don't have a series. Do you think it's better in a situation like that? I come out and lay an egg, right? Football, you got to stew on that all week. Basketball, you get a couple, you get a couple days. My favorite thing about baseball. You gotta come, but is that good or bad? Great. It's great. You want to get back out there. That's the, I never wanted to work in football because I couldn't stand the thought of living with a loss for seven days. What if you're still shook though? Like what if you're a young player and you haven't, sh you, it, you're the not. nerves aren't going yet? You're, you're not. It's, it's, it's amazing. When you in baseball, here's how it goes. Because we're so conditioned to start over every single day, you get into these crazy routines. And we have the 30-minute rule. The 30-minute rule is you can be very angry about the game. Yeah. After 30 minutes, you start your preparation for the next game. Huh. So that's You're hitting that reset button. You just got your conditioned to do that. You are so conditioned that it becomes part of life. It actually seeps into your personal life. Yeah. Where things happen and there's no carryover. So you'll be so talking to your kids and your kids will be upset about something that happened yesterday. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I don't even remember that. Right, 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 right. So I've been called out as as having baseball move into my personal <laughs> life because, like, can you imagine talking to your family and yeah, be like, like, I have no idea what you're talking about. What, I didn't do that yesterday. <laughs> we're, we're going on vacation? What? what? Yeah. That's right. All right, let's 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 move on to something. Like, look, even a baseball fan um, or or a very or you. peripheral baseball fan like myself would know Red Sox-Yankees, right? Very familiar series. You're talking about, you know, just history. Do you think that level of familiarity, you know, pays off in the playoffs? Do you think it's still a top-notch rivalry? Well, it's definitely a rivalry that's exciting. TV wants it, fans want it, but it's very polarizing, right? There's a lot of people around the country who just hate the Yankees. Sure. It's, they're very binary. Either you love the Yankees or hate them. The Red Sox people, Red Sox Nation, they've already won World Series, so it's not as though they're like the old Cubs or the old Red Sox where they just had centuries of futility. What I love about this series is you've got great, great offense with the Yankees. Right. And you're dealing with the pitching staff with the Red Sox that if sale and price aren't right, get it? If sale and the price, price aren't right. right I got it. Yeah, bro, you don't. Then there's going to be. Bro. There's going to be some spading and neutering <laughs> of the Red Sox. <laughs> All right. Well, this is what this is the what the fourth Yankees Red Sox playoff series. It's the first since 2004 when the Sox pulled off this historic comeback. Those were seven um, gamers, though. If. I mean, obviously, the Sox had the, the best record in baseball this year, right? Yes. So, 
by a lot. You would say that the Yankees if, won a hundo. But, uh, right. And the Yankees went out and they did a whole lot of spending and maneuvering. Who does this mean more to this series? I'm just trying to see. Did someone write that question for you, or is that something you're really? No, I'm really. No, I'm really curious. Does it mean more to Red Sox, Yankees, both? They both want to win. No, but I mean, in terms of if if it doesn't, if they don't get out or they don't win, like you spent all this money it's with the Yankees, but you've had this. So you're not answering the question because it's the silliest. Qu- I've never I'm, heard a. Worse I'm asking. I'm. What are you talking about? Literally, I'm trying to think of a worse question I've ever heard. Who would it mean more for to lose? No, dude, I'm asking you if who's it more? It, what's it more of an indictment on? Right? Like you've had ah. this 100. You've had this 100 plus. You've you've it's best record in baseball. Great question. Versus all the money spent and all the stuff for the Yankees. Right? Who like, will be more disappointed? Correct. In what the expectations were going into the correct. season. Right. The Yankees. Came within one game of going to the World Series last year. Then they added Stanton. Mm-hmm. They did all this stuff at the deadline, including the game one pitcher tonight, J.A. Happ, who's the game one starter with Tanaka game two because they went with Severino in the wild card game. They didn't get a top flight starter. They added bullpen arms as well. So they're going to be very upset. They got McCutcheon leading off, Stanton hitting fourth tonight, yeah. I'm sure, though I haven't seen the lineup. They're not going to be happy if they don't get out of the LDS. Conversely, the Red Sox... Going into the season, you get J.D. Martinez. You don't think he's going to be who he was, which was really an MVP candidate. You don't think Mookie Betts is going to win the MVP. Sale could win the Cy Young, which I don't think he will. I think Verlander gets it. But you've got the makings of greatness. When you've got the best player on the field, both pitching and position player, you ought to be winning the World Series with the best record in baseball. But baseball is the one sport where having the best record doesn't really matter because right now they're both 0-0. And in baseball, in a short series, anything can happen. Game one matters. I can't wait to watch it today. If Sale does not beat Hap, the Red Sox are in trouble. I want to ask you another dumb question then, right? Um, why don't I hear anything about the Indians? Like, obviously, the Astros. How come I've heard about all of these playoff teams and nobody ever says anything well, about the Indians? You're not. you're not – two reasons. One – they're in Cleveland. Yeah. Let's face it, right? Uh, the Indian team were in LA. You'd hear a lot about them. So it's market based. Who wants to talk about Cleveland? Yep. It's Cleveland. Cleveland. Two. No disrespect. I love Cleveland. I lived in Cleveland, man. Cleveland people are great. I didn't say Cleveland people are great. Uh, no, I'm I just said it's Cleveland. Listen, it's I'm, a DMA issue. I'm, this is purely for me. I ain't got nothing to do with David Sampson. I love you, Cleveland. Go. It's the second reason. I don't even know who you're talking Cleveland. Like, come on. Okay. Keep it moving. Houston Astros, World Series champions, defending. Best rotation, but Cleveland's got the second best rotation. I love break you, Houston. when I want to break. I love you, Houston. That's how random that Cleveland statement was. Break. Welcome back to Off the Bench with Canell and Bell. Uh, we've got Barton Simmons with us to break down some college football and some of the lines this week. Um, he's a CBS Sports college football writer, director of scouting for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. Uh, Barton, let's get right into it, man. We've got this big game up the top, uh, number 19, Texas versus number seven, Oklahoma, um, at the Cotton Bowl. A couple questions. Like, I, first of all, it's Oklahoma minus seven. The, did the Longhorns have any shot at slowing down Kyler Murray? And real talk for me, cause I didn't see Texas coming. Are they legit? Yeah. Well, I mean, we find out this weekend, certainly, but I, I think Texas has been tested a little bit. You know, I, I think USC is a good team. Um, I think TCU is a good team and, and Texas handled them. Um, you know, I, when, when I look at this game, I, I think about Texas being a team under Tom Herman and really Tom Herman across his entire career. He's always got his teams playing up uh, for big games against top 25 opponents 
Tom Herman as a head coach is 12 and one against the number, and he's eight and five straight up. I mean, this is a guy that gets his teams to always show up in big matchups. So, so that in, a, in itself, I think, gives you some optimism about what this Texas team can do. I, I think you also look at this matchup and you say, all right, Oklahoma, yeah, they've looked unbeatable. Uh, I know they kind of messed around with Army. That was a tricky game. But where are their weaknesses? And, and I think when you look at Army, that's a great example. When you look at Iowa State, I mean, those are the two teams they've struggled with the most. Those are teams that are really physical. They, they bring a different style to the to the play, to, to, to offense. Um, I think Texas can play physical. I think that uh, behind Keontae Ingram, a pretty physical offensive line, Trey Watson at running back, and they got Sam Ellinger at quarterback. who's like 230 pounds and just sort of grinds away some yards. If you play finesse, you're in trouble against OU. But I think Texas could potentially make this thing a little bit nasty. It may rain a little bit on Saturday. And then they got a secondary that Kyler Murray has not messed with. I mean, Caden Stearns, Chris Boyd, some of those guys. I'm not saying Kyler Murray isn't legit. But I think Texas's defense is really, really good and could create just some some different looks and some challenges that Kyler Murray hasn't had yet. So, so yeah, Roger, like I, I think that Oklahoma figures out a way to win this game, but I think it's a really, really close game, four-quarter deal um, down to the end. You know, there's another game when you talk about quarterbacks and tough defenses, and we're talking about LSU at Florida. LSU's favorite in Florida, obviously, is the, the home team. I would like Florida to win that game. But I'm looking at Philippe Franks, and I'm looking at Joe Burrow, thinking to myself, which quarterback would I prefer and trust more against these tough defenses? Where do you come out on that? I think that's the key to the whole game. And I think that's why I think LSU wins. I think LSU wins because they've got the quarterback that I want in this matchup. And and you look at those numbers, and yeah, it's not overwhelming that Joe Burrow's got the better profile, right? I mean, they were both highly recruited guys. They were both four-star kids coming out of high school, both big arms, all this. But Joe Burrow has an edge to him, a demeanor, a toughness that I don't think – you can coach. And I think he brings to this LSU team something they've been missing at the quarterback position, which is a guy that goes into big settings, big games, and embraces it and wants every bit of it. And we saw it against Auburn. He went into to that stadium and, and came out with a win. We saw it on a neutral field against Miami. This is a guy that likes these big moments. And I'm not sure Felipe Franks is there yet. I don't know that Felipe Franks is comfortable yet in these big moments. And and against two really, really good defenses. And both these defenses can go. I, I like Joe Burrow to be able to, to give his wide receivers an opportunity to make some plays. Because I think that's one of the best position groups on either of these teams is the LSU wide receiver group. And I just think Joe Burrow going into that stadium is going to love the atmosphere going to love the hostility, and he's going to channel it and, and put together a really good show. So can they win by a field goal? Yeah, I think they win, and I think that they, you know, look, this is going to be a, a, a backyard, back alley street fight. I mean, this is a game where two really good defenses battle it out, and we'll see if there's any pick sixes or, or uh, you know, punt return touchdowns or anything crazy like that. But I think just basically 11 on 11, LSU's unit is a little bit better than Florida's unit in part because of that quarterback. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm laying the points. I'm taking LSU. 
All right, so we've got number six, Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. Both of these teams have recently had had quarterback changes too. Uh, Ryan Willis obviously coming in and filling in for Josh Jackson after he was lost to injury. He was 17 for 27, 332 yards and three touchdowns um, his last time out. And then Ian Book, who looks like he's better suited to run the offense there at Notre Dame. you got Notre Dame laying seven. Uh, what do you think about this one? Possible BCS playoff implications here for Notre Dame too. No doubt. Yeah. And I mean, this one scares me a little bit if we're talking just the, the betting line because Lane Stadium at night, that's a scary spot. And, and, and Notre Dame heading in there. I mean, this is really, they, we, we think they got over this sort of huge hurdle against Stanford. And, and now all of a sudden, this may be the tougher task. And no one's really talking about that to have to go into a, a hostile environment and, and beat a, a good Virginia Tech team who you, as you mentioned, has got a quarterback that played pretty well last week in relief. Um, so, but here's the big caveat for Notre Dame is, is if, if we're talking about the first three weeks of the season, Notre Dame, if we're talking about Brandon Wimbush version of Notre Dame, I don't really have a lot of confidence that this team gets this done. Uh, you know, they, this, uh, they just were clunky looking offensively, um, never quite gotten a rhythm, 24 points a game. Like that was just kind of their max. That was sort of their ceiling. And then Ian Book comes in and, and the question is, do you believe this Notre Dame is just a totally different team with Ian Book? Because they just might be. I mean, they rolled up 56 points on Wake. They put up 38 on Stanford. The offense just suddenly looks really effective, really efficient, really comfortable. And and so when you look at what this Virginia Tech team has struggled with, given a 495 passing yards, the old Dominion, um, you know, the secondary is young. They've dealt with a lot of injuries and attrition in the offseason. If Notre Dame can get after them in the pass game, if they can get the ball to those really elite receivers in the outside, they've got some talent and some big bodies on the outside. Then all of a sudden, you know, you wonder if this is just seven points just isn't enough and, and Notre Dame's going to go and roll. So, um, I think Notre Dame finds a way to win because I do kind of believe that Ian Book is, is a difference maker and, and makes this team a lot better. Seven points is, is a bridge too far for me. I'd, I'd stay away from the number, but if I got to take a side, I think I still stick with the Irish. We got one more game we want to get to. Kentucky's going to A&M. And A&M is favored against ranked Kentucky. Home team favored Kentucky. Are they real? They're 5-0. and And these are some of the great stats that we, that we think about and that we all talk about. That they are 3-0 and in the SEC for the first time since 1977. And if they win, they'll be 6-0 and for the first time since 1977. 50. Not sure any of that matters to today's game, but do you actually believe in the Wildcats, given that they're 5-0 and right now? I do believe in the Wildcats. I, I love Kentucky. I love this team. I love their identity. I love their toughness. I love that they know who they are and they don't try to be anything else. That said, they're heading into Kyle Field at night in an environment that's going to be wild. I know they've already got one pretty good road win on their resume going to Florida and winning that one. Um, but this is a different challenge. This is the first game, or first team rather, that Kentucky's played that really doesn't have just a, a glaring weakness they can exploit offensively. Um, that, you know, they've played a bunch of teams that don't really have a quarterback you can trust, that are finding their way offensively. I think Jimbo Fisher has established an identity for Texas A&M. I think they know who they are. I think Kellen Mond can burn you. You can't just sort of force him to beat you with his arm. And, and then and feel good about it because you see what he did against Clemson in week two. So I think that's challenge number one. And I, and I also think on the flip side, A&M's pretty good at the area that Kentucky's pretty good. You know, that A&M's only averaging 85 yards given up per game rushing all year long. And we know that's what Kentucky wants to do. 
is run the football. And so if A&M could just sort of, on the flip side, make Terry Wilson beat you, you know, limit Benny Snell, make put the, put the game in Terry Wilson's hands, and, and Mike Elko's got a history of, of figuring out how to do things like that, the, the Texas A&M defensive coordinator, you know, suddenly I, I think this, this is a tough spot for Kentucky. So I love the story. I love the team. They could go in there and win it. I think they've got the edge to do it and, and the attitude and the mentality. But I feel a little bit more comfortable picking Texas A&M in this spot because this is really Jimbo Fisher's first real opportunity to go and get a signature win. Kentucky's stumbling in here and, and is just your typical to Kentucky team. Maybe they even overlook it, but, but this is like Florida coming in right now. I mean, this is one of the, this is the, the top contender in the East behind Georgia. They're going to be really excited. The atmosphere is going to be wild. Uh, I like Kellen Mond and Mike Elko and Jimbo Fisher and that crew to just figure out a way to beat the Wildcats on Saturday. Well, Barton, I'm going with your four picks because Bula Bula, of course I'm going to do that. Hey, thank you very much. Bula Bula. Thanks, guys. <laughs> no doubt. All right. Well, coming up next, we'll have some leftovers. Uh, we'll get to some fantasy questions. I think we'll have some answered today. You got Kyrie, Connor, Khabib, all of that up next on Off the Bench with Canel and Bell. Zippers, dude. There's zippers on my sweatshirt. All right. Welcome back to Off the Bench with Bell and Canel. Uh, let's get to some leftovers. We got Dave Richard joining us on the phone to get to some fantasy football. I know you're heavy into it, as am I. So let's let's dive right in. Dave, you there? What's going on, gentlemen? How are hey. you? Hey. Thanks for coming on. All right. So I guess my first question would be, um, this week you got red hot Patrick Mahomes uh, with the Chiefs against the Jaguars defense, who's Who's really, really good. Would you start Mahomes against the, against the Jags? Absolutely. Now there's a couple of exceptions that I would make. Guys like, uh, Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, Jared Goff, guys who have been really hot, Kirk Cousins. I would start them ahead of, uh, Patrick Mahomes. But you don't sit the number one quarterback in fantasy football when he's rolling like this. No interceptions this year. Jacksonville's defense is really, really tough, but check this out. They've given up multiple passing touchdowns in half of their last 14 games. They're on the road against Mahomes. I've got to give credit to Andy Reid to come up with a team that's going to take over this defense. I think Mahomes is going to have a pretty good game. I've got him as a top-12 quarterback this year. Hey, Dave, I have a habit of riding my guys until it's way too late and losing in every league that I don't play in. Aaron Rodgers is a great example of that. He's just been my guy for so long, and I love him, but now he's ranked 12th. Are he and the Packers just in fantasy trouble? Are they done? I don't think they're done. I just think they're they're going to struggle this week because they're just not healthy. You look at his receiving core. Devonta Adams got hurt in the practice this week. The other receivers it doesn't look like they're going to play. Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison. So his wideout core could end up being a bunch of rookies, including the well-known Marquez Valdez Gantling. Uh, and on top of that, Rodgers is hurt. He doesn't look quite the same as he used to. So I'm not going to say you get rid of Aaron Rodgers. I'm certainly not going to say you bench Aaron Rodgers. But if you've got another option, you've got to go with that option over Patrick over uh, over Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes is one of those guys that I would take ahead of Rodgers this week, no question about it. Along with all the other quarterbacks that I mentioned. Ask you about the Falcon Steelers. Is it the fantasy game of the week, Dave? And if it isn't, like, what is your fantasy game of the week? That's the fantasy game of the week. I don't think there's going to be much defense played in that game. Uh, Atlanta's secondary is all banged up. They're still without linebacker Deion Jones. That's going to be that way for a long time. And uh, and Pittsburgh's secondary hasn't been able to slow anybody down. The only question is, 
can Ben Roethlisberger rebound after last week's death? Because Roethlisberger at home against Baltimore, we gave him a lot of credit. We thought he was going to be outstanding, and it turned out that the Ravens shut him down. Maybe it's that Baltimore's defense is that good, but Roethlisberger should fall into good numbers every week, regardless of the opponent, because of the receivers he has. He didn't look right. He's promised to get better. I'm going to say Ben bounces back, and you're going to see a big game from all the Steelers, a big game from all the Falcons, and uh, maybe even one of those running backs in Atlanta will do well. My money's on Tevin Coleman, not Devontae Freeman. Four changes, thanks to you. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. We'll do this again. All right. Um, let's get to some UFC. Connor Khabib, you weren't here, but we had a like really, really enlightening breakdown of, of what goes into like the fighting and, and so on and so forth. And some background into the relationship there. Are you going to watch the like fight? Do you want to see it? They do not like each other. Like, Are you really? They don't like, like it's a real thing. Like we had it like the way broken down don't? to the bone gristle. Like it was gristle, the gristle. Like we got all of the backstory. Is, is this something you'll tune in for? Are you a fight fan? Like the way we fight? Or like actually hitting people? No, dude, not like verbal jabs, like real fighting, like fisticuffs. I prefer like kicking. Ver- I prefer verbal, verbal Kent sparring. This is what I deal with, Danny. I miss you, bro. Oh, I miss you, Jim. <laughs> so badly. No. Um, so all right, look. to wake up we got at 5 a- in the morning to look at your mug every day. I know. Check it out. We got some sound on it. A little promo for the fight. I came back for the love of this. To come and shoot this man up. Copy! After this fight, he's gonna go back to box. I am going to truly love putting a bad beating on this little glass jaw rat. We have been preparing for war. Did he call him a rat? He called him a glass jaw rat? I don't know, I didn't hear, but all I know is (laughs) that I think that I have to watch that now. (laughs) That promo got me. What's gonna happen? I think they're gonna kill each other. I won't be around to see the fight, but I would tune in for that fight. Where are you going? I'm going to Orlando. I get to give out an award for the Special Olympics. I give out, I give out Coach of the Year at the Special Olympics um, award you. ceremony tomorrow night. So for it's really good cause, but I'll have to miss the fight. I am not a UCF guy, but I would tune in to see this one. You know it's on very late at night. You can do both, give the award, and then go to a bar and watch the fight. Yeah, I won't be going to a bar to watch the fight. I'd only be watching that fight if it was in the comfy confines of my own home. I don't go to the bars to watch any fights. You go to bars to watch games and fights? Where else do you watch them? In your media room, like on your... Oh, your, sorry. Yeah, in sorry. My media room. <laughs> by the on, way, on your on your you don't have one. dot com, ladies and gentlemen. In his everybody media. doesn't have one of those. No. <laughs> I think you're very much in touch with everyone. I think that you are a man of the people. Listen, let's talk about another Speaking basketball. Of man of the people. Kyrie says he'll resign with the Celtics if they'll have him back. I think we have some sound from Kyrie too. <laughs> That's some mediocre sound, guys. I think he said in there. Let's talk about what he said and how ridiculous that is. Why is Those that? players are forced to go to season ticket holder events. Yes, they are. It's impossible to get them to go. They show up, and you try to have them do something to make it feel like they're interested in being there. So Irving takes it to a level that is just ridiculous, and he creates a headline by saying what he said in that garbled mess yeah. was, I am planning on re-signing here if y'all will have me back. 
You don't believe that to be genuine sentiment from Kyrie? If they offer him the max deal and he doesn't manufacture trade somewhere else, we can get paid more money. What, all of a sudden he's so close with Brad Stevens, he wants unfinished business because of his trade there and his fact that he was hurt? Come on! Why are you such a cynic? Like, why can't he... I'm a like, pragmatic, not a cynic. But it's it, it comes off very cynical, David. Like, the, why... You're just tired. They've... <laughs> Look, they've got a good thing. They got a good thing cooking in in Boston, and I really do believe that Brad Stevens. When I watch his teams, he seems to have a very, very good relationship with the guys on that team. He gets people to buy into roles um, that they normally wouldn't buy into. A guy like Marcus Smart, who in his mind is a star, uh, look, but he, he's not. He's not. But in, but in his mind, he's a very he's a top end role player. Mm-hmm. But. He's got no problem going out there. There are a lot of guys in the NBA that won't do that for every coach, but he buys in. That speaks to Brad and his ability to communicate, keep people I, I in, agree with and you, manage. Roger. But so I, my question would be like, why, why would you doubt that Kyrie? What, what I want why would say. New York be a better option for Kyrie? Like, why oh. wouldn't he want to stay there? They got all the best young talent except for maybe the Lakers. I think the Knicks aren't a, lot a better of option for anybody. Correct. Because they've stunk for 20 years now. So they're not a good option. And Chris Tapps can't say hell. But here's what I'd like Kyrie to have done. I want them to stand up in front of season ticket holders and make them feel good about the fact that they're season ticket holders and that they are going to be good this year and he wants to win a ring in Boston. That's what I want to hear him talk about. I don't want to hear him talk about himself. Hey, I like it here so much, I can't wait to re-sign and be with y'all. How do you know he didn't say all of that? Because it wasn't on the sound. Well, you only got two minutes. He was probably spoke for That's four or five I'm minutes. Going with. My point is, why can't he have said that? And then come out and said, I would like to be in Boston. What is your problem that. with that statement? Like, I, I want to resign in Boston. You just, you don't believe it to be I true? Want, I, this is preseason. I wanted to talk about the upcoming year. It's important. He, was he helpful in last year's playoff I, run? No. I wanted to talk about the fact that he wants to be helpful and he wants to see the Boston Celtics take it to the next step and be in the NBA finals. So you're in the front office and you're, you're kind of, you're trying to figure out where Kyrie's head is at. Like, you're trying to plan for the future. You've got pocket. this young talent. Right. But this doesn't give you some insight into where you might be in terms of negotiating with Kyrie. Like, that doesn't give you, it doesn't make you feel a little bit better. You don't no. breathe a sigh of relief. I feel intestinal upsetness. I, I, I just don't, I don't even understand what that. That's when you have a tummy ache. No, I know, but I don't, I don't understand why it would, it would give you, if I'm sitting in the front office, right? Like, if I'm, if I'm the Knicks now, I mean, I, I, that tells me something, right? The yeah, guy I have says to he offer wants a it. dollar more. You can't offer a dollar more, though. The Celtics are going to offer him a max deal. No, they won't. What do you mean, no, they won't? He's not worth it. He's not worth They're the max. Kyrie's not a max player? I don't want to talk to you. Have you seen the max deals None. that they give out? Who they give max deals I out in the NBA? I can't hear you. You might...